Uh, ah, someone will. Uh, one good one, evening, one everyone. Welcome to Late Night Happy Hour. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, coming to you after tonight's loss. Game five, the Lakers lose. Final score, 111-108. And holy shit, Andy, that was, a, that was an exciting and fun game. Clinton Yates going to be along uh, momentarily from ESPN. But uh, good God, sports, Andy. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, people know that I am partisan in my Laker fandom, so this was not the result that I wanted. And, and as I tweeted out, uh, that game took years off my life. But given the way civilization seems to be turning, meh, whatever. Well, and plus, too, I mean, Andy, you, at 86, you've already lived a very full yeah. life. I mean, very full. I mean, if, if you kicked it, you know, relatively soon, I mean, you've gotten most of the good years. That is absolutely true. There's no question. Um, it, I remember when that, I, when I first got my hands on that Studebaker. Yeah. And- I mean, who can talk like, and I, I would like to, I always like to, t- I don't like taking shots like that without pointing out you look great. Yes. <laughs> you do. really do look No, fantastic. I do. No, I do. I am. Um, this is, I, 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 you know, this is this became the Jimmy Butler versus LeBron James game. I mean, there was more going on. Duncan Robinson had 26 points. AD actually put up a really good line. He just couldn't move at the end. He had 28 points, 12 rebounds, three assists. But uh, worrisome with that, with, with however he was moving, whether it was a heel or something else. Um, you know, the Lakers had to move on to a game six with a hobbled Anthony Davis, likely. Um, changes the math a little bit, but I mean, what what, ha- what 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 happened in this one? Like why? I mean, LeBron was great. AD was good enough. What what else, what was the problem? I mean, ultimately, Jimmy Butler was incredible, and I and I think the control. I think the control that Jimmy Butler had over this game for Miami, even taking into account that LeBron played a pretty damn good all around game himself, forty points, thirteen rebounds, seven assists, three steals. I think Jimmy Butler. With 35, 12, 11, five steals, I think he had a little bit more control over the game for the Heat than LeBron had over the Lakers. And also, too, I just think Miami, at the end of the day, executed better than the Lakers. I mean, Miami played really, really well in this game. And the Lakers also, I think, in parts, played very well themselves. They obviously got themselves back into this thing. Yeah. But 13, Miami, 13 turnovers. The Lakers only had 15, which for them is like four. Right. Um, and in a game this intense, that those are pretty low numbers. Right. But I, I think on balance, Miami played better than them. I mean, Miami played a really, really good game, I think. And, and a lot went right for them in this game. Like, you know, we're, we're going to get into a lot of what it all means, but one thing that I would say just off the top, because I, I imagine that a lot of people watching this show right now are not in a good mood about the loss, and I don't blame them, but one thing that I genuinely take comfort in as a Laker fan is I don't think Miami can play much better than this game. Like, you know, the the ga- the line that we just talked about with Jimmy Butler, who you know, really he's been phenomenal in these finals – 26 points for Duncan Robinson, 14 points and three assists for Kendrick Nunn off the bench, 95.5% from the line, 42% from three. As you pointed out, Brian, fewer turnovers than the Lakers, reasonably even on the boards given the size discrepancy between these teams, Uh 41, 41 to 35 in favor of the Lakers. But Miami can live with that. 20 points off the Lakers' 15 turnovers. They had 14 bench points among two players versus 14 points among four Lakers subs. Kuzma led the bench with seven points on 10 shots. I and and Bam and Bam, I think, may end up just capped where he is right now because he's clearly not healthy. He's hurt. He can't, he's not, yeah, he can't right. he can't do a whole lot more. He's clearly just gutting his way through this, and credit to him. I don't think Miami can play much better than they did tonight, whereas I think the Lakers actually can. Play. I mean, look, I, let's go through some of those numbers. I mean, look, the, I mean, I, I think if I'll, I'll say this: if you're Miami, God, I hate when I do that. Um, if you're the Miami Heat, you've got. But Miami looks at this game. Obviously, Robinson, you don't count on you know for 26 a night. 
um, and the seven of thirteen. I think they have been waiting for a game like that where he, you know, he's over fifty percent and he can push the offense that way. Yeah, you maybe you hope for a little bit more than thirteen points from Bam. You know, get you know between fifteen and twenty, a couple there. Hero has not really had an impact, so. Uh, you you think maybe there's a game there where he can other than the sneer more? This right, I mean, this moment had, for sure. Tyler Hero was huge. Like right, that was big. Yeah, was a big in, turning point moment in terms of you know two or three or four games where he's really just you know yeah. uh, playing really well and having he's a been man, pretty you know, quiet. Big, it's been pretty quiet. That's that's all I'm getting at. You know, LeBron and AD were great, and and we we. Ask, we talk about it all the time, the context. It's elevated LeBron, elevated AD, and then somebody else does something. Dwight, two points, one shot, didn't offer much tonight. Danny Green needed eight eight shots to get eight points. KCP had 16. He needed 15 to get there. You talked about the bench. Kuz, 10 shots, seven points. Uh, Rondo, seven shots, four points. Uh, Caruso, three shots, three points. Markeith, two shots, no points. Like that's not getting it done. That's no. not. Even, I mean, that's not even close. And so when you know, but they've been better than that during this series. Correct. And so I agree with you. I think like you know, you look this. at what they've done normally. You don't need like this is as bad collectively as this group has been. Usually, yeah. somebody is better than this, and nobody was tonight. Yeah, I mean, but again, that's one of the things you know. As we dive deeper into everything that happened tonight. And you know, and some of the big talking points from this game. Again, as as I try to just make sure that uh, the Laker fans among us, and I would say that's probably about ninety seven percent of this audience, but, if not but higher, to our Heat fans who yeah, are that is true. tuning in well, just to see yeah. what the show is like. Absolutely, if Thank you are you. a if you are a Heat fan, you are more than welcome here from us. I cannot guarantee no, how the other people nice treat you. you. No, they may treat you like shit, but you know what? Fair warning. We 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 gave you a warning. If they treat you this way, you know you've got the option to leave or stay. But either way, you know don't blame the management. But I I don't think Miami can really play this. I don't think they can play better than this. And duplicating this will be really damn hard. Yeah. Whereas the Lakers, they can play better than they've played tonight. Yeah, I mean, LeBron, LeBron can do even if you say Jimmy Butler can do that again because now he's done it twice in the series. And LeBron, you know, you, LeBron can obviously do that again. He's done it a lot. AD can do what he did again, assuming he's healthy. And let's save that for a second. Um, there's a lot of room for improvement for the Lakers. There's, I mean, I, but it was in you know, you look at what happened tonight. The margin turned out to be the six point play on you know Dwight's flagrant on Butler. Um, that quite frankly, I was shocked he wasn't thrown out of the game. I think in a regular season game, he gets a flagrant two and he's out. You know um, what, though? At the same time, really quick before you before you break down the swing, Jimmy Butler actually got, I think, super lucky early in the game when he and Dwight got tangled up. Yes. And he actually tried to tackle Dwight and couldn't because Dwight's just too big and strong. He actually got lucky. You know, and Dwight didn't deserve a T on that play. They both they got double technicals. But and- but if Jimmy had actually taken Dwight down, he would have put the refs to a much harder decision than that. Yeah, he probably would have. I doubt they would have thrown him out. But he would have gotten a T at the. You know, it was the same T at the very least. But maybe he does get thrown out. You don't know. He, he would have gotten a flagrant. I mean, if yeah. you tackle somebody in a game, you're going to get you're at not, least a flagrant. Not, you are not allowed to do that. Even Steve Javi would agree. Um, and so, well, assuming it was the original call, assuming yeah. it was the original call before, <laughs> exactly. That's he definitely would agree then. Um, you know, you look at that, and then so I'm not saying Steve Javis a yes man. <laughs> I'm just saying I don't have an end to that. I've never so. heard him say no. <laughs> right. Um, the the and then the four point play where Kuzma fouled uh, Robinson, and then yeah. somehow, in the most NBA moment ever, felt he could complain about it, which was just. Ridiculous. I mean, that was it was so obviously a foul. And you know, and, and the way the Lakers bench played though is it's 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 impactful when they're that bad because it limits Vogel's options. Like you look, I, I was looking at you know our Twitter feed at Cam Brothers, and people were upset that why is Morris on the floor? Why is this happening? Whatever. It's like, well, who's your other option there? You could put Caruso on the floor if you want to go a little smaller, but if you want length and you want a little bit of size. Then the other option is Kuzma, and he was terrible tonight. So 
those are your choices. Um, and Morris had been fine defensively. I thought he was fine. It wasn't much of an offensive factor, but he was fine defensively. Yes. I agree. And, and you know, that that's, I think this is one of those nights where you look at the sporting cast and you're trying to find better things. Like why didn't Vogel do this? Why didn't Vogel do this? But like the players got to play like they're the, the other guys weren't that good. Yeah. This, this was a night where the players did not give Vogel a lot of options so, you know, KCP, I, K, but he was on the floor anyway. He was on the floor, right. He was, yeah, he was out saying, there. Just to point out guys who actually played well that weren't named LeBron or Anthony, KCP so had played, a really nice game. He played the best of all of them, but he still needed 15 shots to get 16 points. Sure, but I'm just saying I thought on balance he played very well, but you can't put him on the floor more than once. And, you know, it just – it's hard. I mean, this, this was a rare game during this series where – LeBron and AD did not have a lot of help. And those are the type of nights that make it difficult for Frank right. Vogel, make it, you know, make it difficult for, you know, LeBron in terms of the decisions he's going to make because and, he's going to make, he's going to make the right decisions. Yes. But, you know, when you end up basing everything off results, you're going to end up with people unhappy. And the last six minutes of the game, it was essentially LeBron playing by himself because AD couldn't move. I mean, like, I, like, so like to the point where I am concerned because like what why do you always we talked about this after game four? Why do you want to win game five? Why is it so important to win game five? Because weird shit can happen and AD could get hurt. LeBron turns an ankle, whatever it is. And you know, as we, you know, he he talked about it, you know, he's been banged up a little bit since game five against da uh, Denver and Hurt himself in the first. Was that the third quarter or the first? Or the second quarter, late. I forget. Second, um, I believe. Yeah, when it when he went down, it looked really bad. And then you turn around and he's back at the scorers table, coming back in the game. You're like, all right, cool. That second one, I mean, credit to him for trying to play through it, but he really could not move, and that meant that LeBron was essentially playing by himself because they didn't have to respect Davis at all as an offensive force. Couldn't give him the ball. Yeah. I, down the stretch, LeBron needed better options. Frank Vogel needed better options. And this was just one of those nights where, unfortunately, it was just – it was all going to be on LeBron's shoulders. And, and, you know, that that final play that – you know, that final sequence for the Lakers where LeBron drives and he kicks out to – I mean the widest of wide open Danny Greens that you could possibly have. Green misses the shot. The Lakers get the rebound. Markeith Morris has it and honestly just froze. He, he froze with the he ball about five panicked. seconds. Yeah. And I don't, he, I, first of all, I think he didn't. I don't think, and LeBron alluded to it. I don't think Morris realized how much time he had to make a play. And by the way, who was standing wide fucking open on the wing? LeBron. Uh, LeBron. Yes. Waving his hands around, trying to get Markeith's attention. And Markeith ended up trying to throw a very awkward pass uh, inside to AD, turn the ball over. But, I mean, there's no way around it. I I, I didn't hear Markeith talk after the game, but... I don't think he did. He just froze there. He I did. Mean, he, he, and you saw him, you know, I mean, you appreciate it on the, on the broadcast where, you, you know, you can see him say, that's my fault. Well... Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Glad you cleared that up, Keith. I mean, I, been a lot of I'm not, and I, I, I don't mean this like you know, like I'm, but like that was that he behaved in that situation, like I would have <laughs> if I had the ball suddenly found the ball in my hands with an offensive rebound with five seconds left or six seconds left in an NBA Finals game, I would have gacked it and <laughs> thrown it into the fourth virtual row myself so it, this is not one of those times where you you want to be able to say oh he did it just like i would have um you know i it's just he made a bad play I, but it's it, just it's predictable though because because danny missed that shot and then you know it's been forgotten that markeith actually bricked a, a legitimate opportunity the lakers had they had five seconds to make something happen yeah, he, honestly, he could have just shot the ball himself. Right, he could have shot the take ball himself. Just go up and take a mid-range jumper. Right, right. He probably could have gotten it to KCP because I imagine there were enough people. I haven't looked at him and in that moment, but so many people were collapsed in the middle. If LeBron is that open, I'm going to assume KCP is that open. Like there were options. Could have actually gotten it back to Danny Green and let him miss another shot. Whatever. Even put on a pole. Right, but it was time. Markeith actually attempted to make the most difficult pass, the most difficult play, again, because 
Quite frankly, he panicked. But what's predictable about that moment, which, like I said, involves two sequences, one of which has gotten completely forgotten, the Marquise part of it, it's inevitably led to this conversation about whether LeBron should have taken the final shot, you know, driving with at least three Heat defenders draped on him, which is silly. He made the right play. I mean, clearly made the right play. He yes. got it to Danny Green, who could have shot that thing from a fucking lawn chair. I mean, that's okay. I, this is something I was thinking about because you're right. I mean, I, I contributed to it. I tweeted out a picture of the Tim Bontemps from ESPN sent out of, you know, like a screen grab of what what was happening, like the sh- like how wide open that Green was in that situation. I'm tweeting out like this stuff about how, you know, Michael Jordan, in fact, passed the ball to Paxson and Kerr, tweeting out all of these things. And I saw, I, I, I don't remember if it was Jason Concepcion from, from The Ringer uh, or if it was someone else, but it was someone like that. Basically, it was like, are we, ha- like, did somebody actually say, and start criticizing LeBron for that? Or are we just at that point where we preemptively defend him for making the right and right, by the way, an obvious basketball <laughs> play? Yes. And I, I think the answer I saw Jay Williams was still with ESPN, right? Yeah. Uh, Jay Williams yeah, with ESPN. Sean's co host. Right. Tweet out that LeBron has to take that shot. And I've seen like people on our timeline, you know, like random dudes Eggs. on our timeline. Not eggs, no more developed than eggs. But I, I, I don't know how many other people were, but it's. I think it's one of these things where, like, we are now as a basketball covering public, like NBA Twitter takes basketball seriously and like proper basketball seriously. I do think we're at a point now where we preemptively come out with the defense and the argument before anybody's actually making it, and I think fewer people are making it. It is so obviously the right play to make. I mean, it's give me hard. a break. It's hard to tell in this particular game because it took place on a Friday, a Friday night. Tomorrow is Saturday. Most of these shows aren't happening. You know, the hot take shows, the debate shows. If this game took place Thursday and there was an entire Friday worth of debate right. shows about this, I can promise you. Somebody I can oh, forget somebody. Everybody, are you? No. What would it be? No. But how many people would actually be arguing? Do you think at this point that LeBron should take all you need to do from the former station that we worked at eight seven 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 ten ESPN? Again, I'm not talking about not talking about randos, but like actual basketball people. How many do you think would actually argue that, or even the 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 talking heads? There would be some. There absolutely would be some. Again, I'm not talking about Skip. (laughs) Well, I mean. Man's yeah, a millionaire. Somebody, somebody would, but I, I, all I'm saying is, I think now we are so conditioned to bad sports takes and bad opinions on stuff like this, which is frankly, again, just wildly obvious that he made the right play. Like Danny Green, it looks like the picture is photoshopped. <laughs> He's so by himself. Like there's no, there's zero reason he wouldn't take that shot or that you wouldn't pass it to him in that situation. And, you know, it's just, I, the, the, the better discussion to have is, should he have been on the floor? Like, yeah. that, if you want to have an argument, you have it with Frank Vogel for having Green on the floor instead of, I guess, Caruso would probably be the, the other option there. I don't know what else you would do. Yeah, I mean, um, Caruso, Caruso didn't take a lot of shots, but in this series, he's shooting 43%. He's shooting 43% from three. Um, I actually looked it up, and, and Green is around twenty five or twenty six percent. So it's like he has been getting worse over the course of the playoffs. Yes, he absolutely has been. And so I, but that none of that has anything to do with LeBron and the no. choice he makes. He's not going to look over at the top of the key to Danny Green standing by himself and be like, "Well, you know, Alex Caruso really should be out there right now." So I'm not going to give that guy the ball. That's where he is. And, you know, I, I, I've seen some people say, you know, LeBron could have gone over the top to KCP. That is an ex- in the corner. That is an extraordinarily difficult pass. You, even by LeBron's standards. Even by LeBron's standards. To clear that, and that is not a good idea. I mean, the best option is the one that he took. And the criticism becomes, you know, do, do you have him on the floor? But as, as Gabe 23 points out, how dare LeBron rely on a pro player making millions in the NBA in the finals to make a wide open shot? Not only just a, a, a pro in the NBA, Gabe, 
a pro who's paid primarily to make three-pointers. A pro who has made big three-pointers in the finals. I believe the fifth leading shooter, three-point yeah. shooter in finals history or something I like mean, that. This, this, this is why you signed Danny Green in the first place. And look, his whole career, he's been streaky. Like, like last year in Toronto, where he shot, I think, 45% on the season and was pretty rock solid from start to finish. That's more the exception than the rule. Like he's he's a lot like KCP had been up until this season, just I think more respected. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like the swings with Danny Green have always been there. He's just such a smart player, and he generally speaking does everything else so under control and so smart, and you know, especially defensively, makes so many right plays. And also will hit a lot of big shots, you know, when it all comes out in the wash. But we really, this is not a discussion we even should have to have. Let me show you this. I just saw this tweet. This from uh, Jasmine L. Watkins. Uh, Jasmine Watkins, who is a person I don't know, um, but that's okay. Excellent it, setup. Uh, I don't know. I, I was. I thought maybe she was a reporter. So it, but this is footage. Let me see if I can share this of Jimmy Butler. In the bubble, um, can you see that? Can people see no. that? No. Uh, okay. It's 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 Butler leaving the podium in the bubble, and oh my God, does he look pained? Oh, here we go. Now you can see it, right? Yes. Watch him get out of this chair and walk down off the podium. Jeez. Good lord, man! Like that's Jimmy Butler trying to trying to, to to leave after doing what he did tonight. You know what that's like? That's like every time we would watch Phil Jackson conclude his press conferences yes. and walk off. And Jimmy every, Butler was like sixty years younger than that. I know, but I mean, every time, every time, or especially if you oh, want, like that hurts me. Just like somebody get yes. that man some fluids. I mean, yes. oh my god! I mean, he's wow. He he's killing himself to do this, man. Like. But what Jimmy Butler is doing in these finals, like regardless of how this thing ends and for what it's worth, I still am very confident that the Lakers are going to win this. I mean, I predicted the I Lakers in seven. I, so I said you know, Lakers in six, so I have a chance to be right, like legit, fully, 100% right, right for the first time in the playoffs. <laughs> Excited. That's true. But, you know, I mean – the, Miami's a really good team, and, and I did not expect the Lakers to have an easy time with them. You know, e even acknowledging the guys that they're missing, they're just they're so disciplined and so well coached, and believe in themselves so much. But we've reached this point now where, regardless how this thing shakes out, and let's just say the Lakers close out in six, you can make a really strong argument that, taken at its most literal. Jimmy Butler is the series MVP. I, I was going to ask you that question. Has Butler done like it's still the only is did LeBron win the year that they lost or nope. no? No, so I thought it was the year Iggy won, right? Yeah, that was the year Iguodala won. The last time I believe Jerry West, I thought, or still, either, or is there one more? Kareem, I think, did it. I think Kareem won, but it, it has not happened in a very very long time. Um, somebody look it up on the chat. Like, has anybody? I know Jerry West did because that's sort of the famously one where he did. Is there? Okay, yeah, uh, Texas Auto Insure, um, which I assume is probably what you do for a living, which makes sense. Is it's just Jerry West? Like, even oh, I'm thinking of Kareem won MVP on a year where his year team they were, they were under 500 or were like yes, they're pretty crappy. Yeah, but in terms of Finals MVP, it's they're on a losing team. It's just Jerry West, right? So everybody's saying the same thing. It's just Jerry West. That's what I thought. If he does, let's say he does this again in Game Six, and they lose, Miami lose, Lakers win, win a title, whatever. LeBron has another good game because at this point, I think LeBron has past AD on the Laker, yes. like which Laker you would give it to. Yes. I, I think so. The, the the pendulum seemed to be swinging to AD, but I think it swung back to LeBron. I agree with you. So with that in mind, could you get to Jimmy? I, I think if you really think about this in terms of the most valuable player in a series, as great as LeBron has been, and LeBron has been quite good, 
he's had more help. He's had Anthony Davis. The value of Jimmy Butler in this series for his team, like in terms of like even even I'm sorry, even with uh, you know knowing how partisan our our viewership is, I'll put up a poll. But go ahead. Yeah, I mean, just I I think if you really think about this in terms of just value and like who truly has been the most valuable. I really think you can make a strong case that it is going to be that it is Jimmy Butler. He won't win. If his team doesn't win, he won't win. And I don't have a problem with him not winning because obviously the template is there for the team with the winning player to get the trophy. And it would end up, I think, LeBron. And LeBron has been really damn good. So there's no controversy in giving this to LeBron. I want to make sure people understand that. I just think you can make a really, really compelling argument that when you just think about who is literally the most valuable player in this series and you consider the context, it's Jimmy Butler. Do you do you think um it was game three also too where he went completely nuts? Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah, because that's the the one that they won. That's the one that they won. Right. So I'm putting it out of the poll. It was if the league, if the Lakers win Game Six, and I mean, I want to say, I'm, I'm curious what people on the chat think about that. Like, I mean, obviously, Lakers fans would, tra- you know, they're more concerned about who wins the actual championship than they are who wins the MVP award. But I mean, I'm wondering if people would be annoyed by that. Like, if if Butler, if Butler wins it, I, what are his numbers for the entire series at this point? Let me look that up. He, he's um, been amazing. He's been absolutely amazing. And he he's been a he's been a great story. And you know, he's obviously just captured the imagination of of basketball Twitter, of basketball culture. And, and I think especially too, because when he chose Miami, there was this perception that he was choosing being the guy over winning. And you know, I, I've heard Nick Ferdell from ESPN, who knows Jimmy very well. He's covered him since he was a rookie in Chicago. And I heard him recently talking on uh, Pablo Torre's uh, daily podcast for ESPN about how when Jimmy chose Miami, there was actually an element of wanting to be the guy. Uh And the previous teams that he played for with Minnesota and Philadelphia, you can debate who was the best player among him, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, I think he was the best player between him, Carl Anthony Towns, certainly Wiggins. But those yeah, guys, that team, by the way, was competitive with him and a train wreck when he was right. Did but, but those guys had been there longer. And you know, there's a certain cultural institution, you know, with, with Philadelphia, that situation as well. And also, too, Jimmy Butler to that point had not gone any further in the playoffs or made any more, you know, any higher an all NBA team. Than Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons, right? So I I could understand at least those guys' perception of he hasn't done anything more than I have. But then when you get but when you get to this team in Miami, he was very quickly established as the guy because he was the most accomplished guy on that team, and it was the perfect culture for him. And I think because it was such a good setup for him, I think he was able to tail, tailor some of the Jimmy Butlerisms in ways that were more positive. But either way, it's just become this really enjoyable story. And I think the the more personable parts of you know his aura have come out really well. And, and I think it's just been really enjoyable. But my know, it's, 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 it's he's a played, phenomenal story. The way uh, he's played has been unbelievable. Yeah, and, and playing and elevating the lesser team. And, and I think yes. that's what it is. So here's here are Butler's stats. 29 points, 8.6 rebounds, 10 10.2 uh, assists, a block, and 2.5 steals, shooting 55% from the floor. LeBron, not so bad himself, 30 points a game, 11.4 rebounds, 8.2 uh, assists, a, a little over a steal a game, shooting 57% from the floor and 43% from three. So statistically, actually, LeBron's been better. I mean, granted, he's got the gravity of Davis and all this stuff around him, but, I mean, 
it's one of those deals where you look it up and LeBron's numbers, as brilliant as Butler has been, LeBron's just on a pure numbers standpoint, actually been better, which says a lot about how good LeBron has been in this Well, series. here's the thing, though. When, it, when I said that you can make a really strong argument for Jimmy Butler as MVP of this series, regardless of how it shakes out, I never said he's been better than LeBron. No. I said no, you can make an no. argument that he's been more valuable. Like in terms of just literally thinking about value at its most base definition, that he's actually been more valuable contextually. There's also too, I think with Butler, especially when you look at the playmaking, there's an element of, holy shit, I didn't know he could do that. Like, I mean, I, I knew that Jimmy Butler could make plays. We've seen that before. We've seen him be a, fl you know, a floor general before. Sure. I didn't know that he could do it like the, with the pass he made out of bio tonight on that on the drive, like wrapping around. I think it was LeBron, might have been or Davis or someone. Um, that was an, a great pass. You don't I, pick, I you don't think of that with Jimmy Butler, right? There has been some stuff that he's done in this series that, and in a lot of these playoffs that I just didn't really realize that he could do with you know this type of efficiency, yeah. this prolific. I, I didn't know. And I think that's for a lot of people, it's been a revelation and the revelation makes it more exciting. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I'll would, tell you this, I wouldn't argue about it. Like I would, if, if let's just say LeBron and AD split the vote. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, who is the he in the question? Yeah. That's a really poorly phrased. You I think people yourself, understood I meant Butler. You call but yourself a professional writer. I'm doing a lot of things at one what a time. Joke. I'm what doing. Should I delete it and start joke. over? Yeah, I want to make sure we get the best uh, poll possible. It's only been up there about five minutes. All right. I mean, look Try again. Our our democracy has a lot more problems right now than yeah. whether you change your poll, you know, upstream or whatever. So I th I think it's okay. How concerned are you about this situation with AD and the ankle? Why are you, I mean, you ask me questions while you just yell at me to repost the poll and now you're like, answer a question while I do it. I mean, what am I, a fucking juggler? Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> okay. not, I'm not. Right now. I'll put it out. Who, who am I, Red Panda? I mean, come on. <laughs> I'll put it out to everybody right now in the chat. How concerned are you with AD and this heel? I'm a little bit. I, I I gotta say, and maybe some of this was just there. We go. Okay. Maybe some of the the lack of mobility had to do with this happening in game, where you can't get treatment and you just have to play through it, and you're continuing just to put more pressure on this. And AD didn't come out, which I understand why, because you're you you've got to try to put this. You thing have you have to be on the floor. You have absolutely. to be on the floor. Absolutely. I mean, th there's no question it was the right decision to keep him on the floor. And maybe with some time, you know, and treatment, it will it'll be better on Sunday. But it's something he's been dealing with. And, you know, the more time he's on the court, the more opportunity there is for this thing to just keep getting aggravated. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the that's the the problem. Like you worry about it getting like he can he's he's going to play in game six. I mean, he's he's gonna try. If I mean, I don't if, assuming he can walk, he's gonna try to play. But how effective can he be? How you know what did that mean if they, if you if you get to a game seven does it get worse? Like I don't I mean Dragic is not going to play in the series, but what if you know Bam could get a little healthier? I mean it's hard for me to picture Miami not running out of gas at some point here, but the Lakers got to be pretty tired too. <laughs> I just saw by the way Damian Lillard <laughs> tweeted out. Uh, somebody asked him on Twitter, "Do you think Braun is wrong for passing?" No, he he made the right play, but I would have shot on both the ass. <laughs> God, I love Damian Lillard. He's so cool. Um, it's like, I, yeah, I'm worried. <laughs> because, I mean, it, it, you know, usually the adrenaline kind of carries you through and you look better after the injury and you're running around while the game is still being played. And then it gets worse at some point when you stop moving. And so he was moving so poorly in the moment that you're like, well, this is not good. And you assume that it's going to be worse tomorrow than it was today. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I it was just, it, it, 
it, it is suboptimal if if Anthony Davis is not healthy because you are putting then a premium on the other guys. Now, if I have to choose between LeBron being banged up or Davis being banged up, I'm sacrificing AD because this team can't function without LeBron. Yeah, uh, against a, a really good Miami defense. Day games, no, they can. No, I mean you, you're at that point are so reliant on on Rondo to be like consistently brilliant. Like you just that's not something I'm comfortable with. But yeah, if if you don't have an effective AD or a, you know if he's really that diminished. How much better are the Lakers than Miami from a talent standpoint? Well, I mean, this is an interesting point. Uh, Cabrera NHS says you needed AD to guard Butler in the fourth. Yeah, I mean, you're, you needed him as more of an option. But if you can't, if he can't move, and you know, LeBron was clearly up to the challenge of trying to oh, slow Butler. And, you know, the two of them were going back and forth on both ends of the court, and it was really fun. But one of the things the Lakers have been able to do really effectively is just mix up their looks on Butler and also just use that length and that size to try to envelop uh, Butler that Davis has. And, you know, Davis can guard anybody in the league, but it wasn't really a viable option tonight. So like you were saying, it, it takes the Lakers down a little bit. I mean, not to a point where I think they're not still the superior team over Miami, but it does limit their ceiling a little bit more. Depending on what AD looks like on Sunday, well, I'll go back to. We'll get some results here from that poll in a second because you know the Andy the democracy is is vibrant and the the votes are rolling in. Um, but go back to that the the other question if if it's if AD let's say AD can't play or AD is diminished in the same way that Bam is diminished, like you know, to whatever percentage you think he's hurt, like. Take thirty-five percent off Anthony Davis, like you're sort of taking thirty-five percent off of uh, AD and or Bam, you know, based on the injury. How much better talent-wise are the Lakers in the Heat at that point? Because it's really the difference between LeBron and AD and the rest of that roster that separates the Lakers from the Heat. If you take Davis and you make him more ordinary, and now you're matching up supporting casts. This, I realize it's a tough night to ask given how bad the Lakers supporting cast was tonight, but still. Okay. This is a hard this is a very I mean, this might sound like a really particular answer, but I think it's actually the answer. How effective can Davis be defensively? Because I think no, often that's not that's not a dumb question at all. It's not yeah. Because I think I think the Lakers can find ways to I, they're not gonna replicate AD's offense but they they can find ways to work around it but their offense isn't what makes the lakers a truly elite team to begin with it's their defense and nobody is more important to their defense than ad like nobody can do more things no nobody is capable of affecting it in more ways than davis so if he's not the same player defensively that's where i think you actually really start noticing and feeling that drop off, you know, in, in terms of where he is physically. Right. And, you know, he's spending so much time on Butler. Although I will say they, they were, they were content to switch a lot more on Jimmy than I thought they would be tonight. Like they, they, when, when, whenever Miami ran the, ran them into switches and, and, and wanted that, you know, they did a lot with Dwight, Yes, they uh, did. When White was on the floor and trying to find those that mismatch, the Lakers didn't necessarily, you know, work really hard to prevent it from happening. Um, I mean, I think it's part of the reason White didn't play late, other than that he wasn't playing that well. But it, it the, they they didn't they they sort of kept with the switch everything sort of uh, deal, and you know there were times when so I mean I, I think they would probably attack it in the same way. And depending on what floor combinations you had out there, there would be possessions where AD wouldn't be on Butler anyway. But you need him for, I mean, you, you need him. I mean, obviously, Jimmy Butler wasn't shut down no matter who was guarding him tonight. But, I mean, you need that option. You mentioned Dwight, and uh -huh. he, he ended up getting the start tonight after there had been, I think, some discussion or you know some 
Some wondering about whether or not they would end up starting Markeith, um, just because Frank Vogel opted to start him in the second half um, in game four. This is not a great matchup for Dwight. No. Just be just because you know Bam, Bam's not a three-point threat, but he can play at the top of the arc because he's such a good passer and he's such a good driver. And the more you pull Dwight out into space, you know, he, he's good in space for a guy his size, but he's not as good as you need to be for somebody guarding in space. Correct. And I want I wonder if Vogel might end up changing course for game six. Like he said before game five, when he when he actually said that Dwight was going to end up starting, that he likes the physicality that Dwight brings. But I I'll be honest, I don't see the value. I just like, thought he was playing well enough. I mean, right. I, I, don't, not, I don't see what it's bringing. It's something triggered in Dwight where, like, and, and, and Frank talked about it again. Me and Frank were on the first name basis. You know, he, he talked about it before the game. Why are you starting Dwight? Because of the physicality that he brings. And it's a really fine line where between like are you being physical and really delivering something and creating something um you know for your team that's positive and are you being physical in a way that kind of takes things off the rails and we saw a ton of both in the Denver series where like when it worked you know particularly early in the series it was like wow look at that and then i think Dwight heard people talking about how physical he was and you know turned it up to 30 on a one to ten scale, and it was every now and horrible. then I feel that Dwight is easily influenced. Yes, I think it might be the case. You know, I mean, he, he listens a little bit too much to what other people have to say, um, and so I, I don't think he's playing well enough, or and more importantly, I don't think he's playing predictably enough to rely on. Now, I don't know if they can go an entire you know two games without playing either of their centers. Well, I mean, the, the biggest but, reason. The biggest reason, honestly, that I would maybe not start Dwight or JaVale, but certainly play one or the other is just to take some of the foul pressure off Markeith or any of the other four, any of the other guys sure. who are playing four or the five. You know, I mean, JaVale or it would likely be Dwight just because JaVale hasn't played at all in this series, and that's a tough position to put him and in. And if you want physicality out of your centers, you put Dwight on the floor. Right, but I just wonder – I just wonder – if there really is a role for him in this series, and if it's actually in some ways preventing the Lakers to kind of cutting to the chase in terms of the best version of themselves, I was surprised. I was honest. I was surprised Dwight started the second half. So was they've been, I. They've been so they've been so quick to change that part of the lineup. I was genuinely surprised that he started the second half. I actually was really shocked. I, I shocked and and kind of perplexed. And I mean, we'll, we'll see what Vogel does for game six. And, you know, obviously, you know, the Lakers have more runway than the heat, but you want to put these guys away. Right. And, and I just feel like those those minutes with Dwight, I don't really understand what they amount to in, in this series because there just isn't a matchup for him. And, and he just he's not really providing much utility. He's not beating them up on the glass. He's not really he's not really doing anything. It looks, it looks good when it works. You know, it's one of those things. That, so remember, like before the playoffs started, you were worried about being like seduced by like the Dion Waiters, like the one game where Dion Waiters just goes off six of eight from the floor and you know sixteen points in like Speaking of which, two and a half minutes. Hi to uh, Mike Ross, um, yeah. Delicious Pizza, the sponsor of the Land of Lakers podcast, uh, and also. Uh, the biggest Dion Waiters Laker era fan that we're aware of. Yes. So just giving him a shout out. Dion has not had a lot of time to really pump up that group of people. Um, you know, but like that, and like you worry that he, one of those games would keep him on the floor through five bad ones in the same way that you were worried about one great Rondo game keeping him on the floor like for five or six really terrible ones because you just, in your head, you have the vision of him playing well. And, you know, obviously Rondo's been overall very, you know, really good in the playoffs, you know, net rating of over eight. Like he's been really good. Wasn't great tonight, but he had company. I think there's an element of that with Dwight where, A, they've been playing this way all year long where they have one of those guys as, as 
um, as a center. Their identity is big. Their identity is defense. And Dwight fits into both of those things. But they're just there hasn't been much return for it. And, you know, it's hard to play four on five offensively. If Dwight's not, you know, doing that thing where he goes four for five with, you know, eight points on on five or six shots and gets to the line a couple times and draws some fouls and whatever, you're essentially playing four on five offensively. And for a team that struggles in the half court, Miami, you know, tonight got beat up pretty good in transition, but they're still pretty good at keeping the Lakers from just running you know, that, those sequences where they get two or three minutes where they're just constantly downhill. Miami doesn't let them do that. And so if you're if you're in the half court more often, it's just too hard to do that with Dwight if, he, if you're not figuring out ways for him to be constructive offensively. I'm not talking about high volume. I just mean you look up at the end of the game and he's got you nine points, eight points, you know, on four, three shots and four, five, or six three th- free, free throws. I mean... I think Morris starts game six. I would I would prefer that he does. I mean, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure what what Vogel's going to do. I just talk myself into it. Yeah, I mean, I I can't really get a read on it because, like you, I was actually very surprised that Keith didn't start tonight, and I was shocked that he didn't start the second half. Like I, I was flat out shocked by that. Um. I mean, I think he's going to end up playing more. And I mean, I and I think you know he's going to start getting even more minutes at Dwight's expense. It's it's just really a matter of making. Even if Dwight only plays, let's say, ten minutes, eight minutes in Game Six, those eight minutes need to be maximized. Like they matter. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's the fi- it's well, the I mean, final. If, if you if you play. Morris and you sit Dwight, it's about 15 minutes you got to find. I mean, he's not right. playing more than 15, you know, 15, 17 minutes in any game. I don't, I don't, you know, obviously your rotation now is seven guys or eight guys instead of uh, nine. I don't think you miss much. It doesn't disrupt things that much. The same guys who haven't been playing are still not going to be playing. You know, LeBron's going to play what LeBron's going to play regardless. Davis is going to play as much as they can get him on the floor. You know, now you just spread 15 minutes around between I mean, Kuzma and Morris and, I, you know, Green or whatever if you want to have a little smaller lineup. I'll, I'll be honest, and it, it's not going to happen, and I'm not even saying it should happen because this would be a, a really, really out of left field move. But you can make an argument that it actually in this series, in terms of pure matchups, makes more sense to start Jared Dudley at center, like in a perfunctory role, than Dwight right now. In terms of the way Miami plays, again, that it's not going. Is, it's not going to happen. And I'm not sure not, you're right. I get what you're saying. I understand what you mean, Andy. I'm not. I'm not saying it would be the correct move. I'm saying there's a logic to it, even if it's not an effective move that doesn't really exist with Dwight. Just in terms of a pure matchup, this is an interesting uh, point from B. Winston Adam. Need but need Bradley Avery Bradley on Butler. Is this actually a series where they miss Avery Bradley? I think they missed him in every series, right? I mean, but but not in I mean not in ways that have really hurt them. This is the first this is the I first know, series that's gone more than five games. Think, no, I don't think that that Butler. I mean, here's where I would say it would help is if you want to change that look a little bit more frequently. But early it was early in the series when he was beaten up on all on on guards and. Sort of long, the the Lakers' longer guards that were you know that were on him, and you know Caruso, whatever it might be. I don't think Avery Bradley solves that problem. I still think it's you know AD is the best option for for guarding, him and, and number two on that list is LeBron. Well, the, the the reason that I the reason I thought it was interesting is as much as Butler has the ability to really overpower Bradley, Bradley right. can be really disruptive. And the way Jimmy controls that entire offense, yeah, I'm just wondering about the the effect of disruption. That's I don't, it. I don't, I don't, I no. I mean, the short answer to that is no. I, I I think Bradley, where you miss Bradley on a night like tonight, is where it's one more option. It's one sure. more guy that might not be playing poorly, so then you can lean on it again. Okay. KCP wasn't bad, but he, from an offensive standpoint. 
he was part of their inefficiency. 16 points, 15 shots. I mean, he's not a guy who gets to the line a lot. I mean, the Lakers tonight only shot 21 free throws. They made 18 of them, which is great for them. Um, but, like, they don't get to the line. You know, Dwight got to the line twice. KCP shot one free throw. Kuz shot two. Rondo shot two. That's it. And yeah. so, you know, Bradley, Bradley solves potentially, I think, more problems offensively because he can space okay. the floor than he does, I think, defensively in this problem, even while in the series, even while acknowledging he would help them on both sides just as, as another option. Yeah, I, I want to make it clear. I'm not suggesting that Avery Bradley would shut down Jimmy Butler. That's not my point. I'm just wondering. Look. He's he's a well, he's but it's a very specific look. You know, he's he's their designated pickup 94 feet guy, and he's just he's very good at disrupting what another yeah, team there's is an energy there's an energy right. that's out there. And yeah. That that's what I'm that's what got me wondering about it when I when I saw that from uh B. Winston. Just the just but the he, idea also I mean what is um where, what's Jimmy's data from a, a size standpoint? Much bigger. But much yeah, Jimmy Butler's six much, seven two thirty Avery Bradley is not six seven. I can tell you. No, that. he's he he's giving up probably three or four inches and thirty pounds. I mean, like I said, no, he he's would, giving up fifty pounds. Okay, well, I mean, well, we so don't know how he's been four inches outside the bubble. Pounds. That's yeah. I, again, I, I'm not saying that so he would. My short answer is no. Okay, fair uh, enough. And then now Just, looking up their now looking up their stats, I I, mean, I you can't let Duncan Robinson have twenty six points. That's no. right. it's 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 not about who shuts down Jimmy Butler. It's about how do you get the lid back on Duncan Robinson so he doesn't so he doesn't it's not even like honestly that he made 7, it's that he took 13. And they weren't some of them were like crazy, you know, Steph Curry just three-point savant kind of shots where you're like that wasn't even bad defense. The guy just like the caught it in a quarter second out of his hand, you know, it was gone. But some of it was just bad breakdowns. Like, you know, KCP had a couple moments where he was ball watching and forgot yeah. who he was supposed to be guarding. Yep. Duncan Robinson? Yes. Yes, he did. Yeah. Go go guard Duncan Robinson. Yes, he did. I, I, I specifically remember those possessions you're talking about. Don't do that. That being, that being said, holy shit, does Duncan Robinson have a fast release? Oh, yeah. My clay. God. The clay. The thing yes. is gone. And he can shoot from any posture. He doesn't have to have his feet set perfectly under him. He's just one of those guys that can get it and flick it, and then it's got a real chance of going in no matter what his body position is. It's incredible to watch. Yeah, uh, Cabrera NHS says KCP, Caruso, Kuzma lost their defenders on defense. And, and this is something you and I, Brian, were talking about at the beginning of the show. Miami executed better yes, tonight absolutely. than the Lakers. And look, they have to be more perfect than, than the Lakers in a game like tonight, they have to be more perfect in game six. And they even have to be more perfect in game seven because the Lakers are the better team. But yeah. they executed well, the, yeah. the top really well. Talent, the top end talent from the Lakers should be better. But like, you know, Rondo tonight, I thought either, like there was no middle ground with Rondo. He either made a great play or it just wasn't very good. And what, what I thought was strange, tell me if you agree, I, he looked to me... Like he, this was the first night where he didn't want to shoot. Where yeah, I can see what you're saying. He didn't have the sort of the confidence to shoot. Like you know, there were that the play where the you know the the, the very controversial play with Caruso, where Caruso got card called for the charge. Yeah, um, was set up because bad call. Caruso, I think, was crack. I was a bad call. It was a very Caruso, bad call. I think, was going to kind of cut and crash to the basket because I think he thought. Uh, Rondo was going to shoot um, because he was standing there kind of open. And it happened a couple times where the, that th that open three that he's been given and made a fair most of most of the playoffs since he came back, he didn't take tonight. He did one. I saw, you know, he took one. Um, but it, he didn't take that shot. And that makes a difference. You know, it's interesting. There, there was, and it's ironic that this would, I'd think about this with Rondo because it's his, or you talking about Rondo would make me remember this just because this is Rondo's third finals. Until AD started picking it up, it felt to me like a lot of these guys you could see had never been in a closeout game in the finals. Like they, they felt tighter. Then, you know, the Miami guys who also are in the same situation, but they also 
they don't have the luxury to think about this. I mean, they're you know they're fighting to stay alive in this thing. But the the Lakers seemed more tentative tonight for at least I thought the first half of the game, and you know that that tentativeness can maybe get in the way of your execution. You know, like the Christmas that you the Christmas that you do everything with. But they they and and I think they got past it as things went along. But for for a period of this game, I was watching this going like, you know what? There are a lot of these dudes on this team, at least the ones that are on the floor, that have not been through this before. You know, I mean, and ironically, and it's Danny, Danny harder to be in the situation where the Lakers are when we got to close it out than it is to be where the Heat are. They don't they have some inexperienced players too, but it's much easier just to be playing from behind and like as the underdog. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, Mr. Jones, LBC, I agree. A lot, looked like a lot of these guys had nerves. And, you know, I mean. Jerry Morris did when he threw the ball out of bounds. Yes, he did. And, you know, I mean, I doubt Danny Green, for example, was nervous in the situation, but he's not playing well. And, you know, I doubt Rondo was nervous, but he just didn't have a good game. You know, and then some of the other guys, you know, AD eventually picked it up, but some of the other guys, they didn't play well and looked tentative. Yeah, I mean, there and this is the this is the value of a three-one lead. And when you have when you have guys who are important but aren't there, you know, KCP has never been in a closeout game, not of this sort of significance. Caruso hasn't done it. Kuzma hasn't done it. Well, now they have. Markeith hasn't done it. Markeith hasn't done it. Now they have. And you know, AD hasn't done it, but now he has. And so you have now the feel. Okay, all right. And I'm not saying would they be a little like, – could you feel pressure going to game six? Of course. Like veterans could feel – like, oh, my God, we got to get it done because I don't want to go to a game. Like, that's not, it's not an entirely experienced base, but at least the part where the guys were like, whew, okay, it's a little, it's a little different in a closeout game. Okay, now I, now I know I can be ready. I can prepare myself accordingly and come back Sunday. And, you know, a lot of people pick the Lakers in six in the series. Like the, yeah. the Miami could win two games. It's not – it's not a, a grounds to completely freak out, but I get why people are nervous. I mean, when we were talking with uh, Waz yesterday, uh, Wazney Lambry from The Athletic uh, um, last night's show, you know, we were talking about this game. My instinct was Miami has one more win in them. You know, I mean, I just I yeah, felt no, like I, I felt like they did. I mean, just they're they're a good team, and they're they're talented enough, and you could picture one more night like this from Jimmy Butler. Where they would just have one more, you know, maybe they have two more. I think it's going to be hard to have two more. You know, this is where you really start missing Dragic. I get, you know, it starts again. Miami played about as well as I think they realistically could, and this is, I think, where you start missing somebody like like Dragic, who was just playing so well in these playoffs. Yeah, you don't have. I just you just don't have a chance to win this series, like a really really good chance. So there's always a chance, but you don't have a real chance to win the series if Dragic doesn't play and you know the Lakers blew him out in in the first couple games you know they got the heroic games from Butler uh in in three and five and in game four the Lakers kind of you know that was it was not a blowout um by any stretch but they sort of got control back of you know of that game uh, uh oh, go ahead I was gonna say a question from uh WCJ Three, if you're Frank Vogel, do you consider taking Green out of the starting lineup? No, uh, defensive continuity. I mean, again, he plays almost all of his minutes with LeBron and AD, which is part of the reason his net rating is so good. But part of the reason those guys can do what they do defensively is because there's so much continuity there. Green always makes the right play. They all know how to play together. And even tonight, as bad as you know, you know, people look at that last shot. I mean, green green among the reserves was fine. I mean, he had, it was a he had eight points. He hit two of five threes. I think people wanted that third one. Uh, really <laughs> wanted the, that. Third that's one. the one everyone remembers. But he was I mean, it was a plus twelve in twenty three minutes. Like Danny Green's presence on the floor did not hurt them. He's got the highest net rating on the team by a mile in the postseason. And again, it's it's not it's a it's a bit of a misleading stat because of who he plays his minutes with, but he's his presence is not hurting them. And you know, Harrison Sanford pointed out the other day when we had him on earlier in the week, you know, it doesn't matter how many threes Green misses, people are going to respect his shot. Yeah, 
They're Absolutely. still going to guard him. He is still going to create spacing. He's going to do all that stuff. And, you know, that's that's going to be a thing. And so, yeah, no, the answer is no. I don't think you can say no, what you, you're going to put in. Yeah. You, what alternative you were, is better to mess up your rotations and get out of what you normally do in favor of what? No, you reduce his minutes if you need to. I mean, that, yeah, that's all that what you did. Anyway. He only plays 20 something minutes a night. Right. I mean, you, you give some of the extras to either Caruso or Rondo or Marquis or whoever. whoever. Deion, Deion Raiders. <laughs> he ain't going to be active. Here for KCP. you, Mike. Here for you, Mike. JR. Maybe, no, maybe you throw in no. JR as a wild card. I would rather play four on five. Um, you know what? Before we go, I thought it was really interesting. We saw Frank Vogel very rarely mad. Chapman. He was mad he was. after this game. He's going to get fined. He is. LeBron Frank might Vogel, they both criticize the officials. Right, but uh, Vogel was much more explicit about it. and He was talking uh, about the calls down the stretch against AD and Markeef. I mean, he said they were both bad calls, and it's unusual to hear Vogel talk that way. It is. Like, th this is not, you know, he's, he's not Phil who basically, like, set aside a reserve of cash to get fined. <laughs> like, it was. It was a slush fund. That's not really what Vogel no, does. It's not my my theory is this. You know, we, we heard it at practice the other day. Like, what guys are really like learned like in in the bubble is like is 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 money. You know, Kuz was like, yeah, I've been spending a lot less money. I don't need to buy as much stuff as I've been buying. Like, I've been saving all this money inside the bubble. And KCP was like, yeah, it's a really good point. Maybe Vogel just felt like he had saved up enough, um, uh, just in bubble life that he was able to go out and, and get fined twenty five k or something. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel <laughs> plus he saved all the money that he usually spends on pizza, apparently. Exactly. Can you imagine getting fined $25,000 or $40,000 for something? Well, what I really can't I imagine. Go into a fetal position and die. What I really can't imagine is getting fined $40,000 and being like, oh, okay, who do I need to make the checkout? Like, I get like, and saying, okay, I got that. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's going to clear. Uh, don't worry about it. Of course it's going to clear. Uh, before we go, this is a great comment from uh, Lakes Ho and a bunch of numbers that I'm not going to read. <laughs> well, no, not that one, although it's funny. Lake I don't show. know. I believe that's Lake Show something. Uh, yeah. As opposed, to, as opposed to Lakes Ho, which is what... Yes, <laughs> you're correct. Lakes Ho oh, my Lord. somebody <laughs> who is very enthusiastic about lakes. You know what? The, lakes or, Ho! Or someone that I'm not going to judge. Um, but that's not even the comment I meant to put out. <laughs> I forgot. A, 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 a woman a, a <laughs> woman who likes to hang out near water. Well, that's that's where she does her work. Um, I forgot how stressful the playoffs are. It's true. Y'all yeah. forgot, didn't you? Y'all forgot. Think how crazy nervous you'd be if that game, if like the Lakers were, that was 2 2. That was mm -hmm. a 3 1 game. The Lakers got two more cracks at it as AD, who did the math after the game, pointed out they got to win one. Miami still got to win two. Yeah. I mean, but this stuff is stressful, man. This stuff is seriously, seriously stressful. Um, so just buckle in. Buckle uh, in. Looking at Summer's Bread's uh, comment, the answer is uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> like this sort of thing kind of serves as that, but thank you very much. Thank uh, you. Yeah, we appreciate that uh, a great deal. Um, all right, so uh, apologies. You know, I, I I would imagine Clinton ran into something. We'll try to get him back when we can. Maybe he fell asleep. Uh, it's I would not have any grounds to uh, criticize because, as people may remember, in the first incarnation of this show. Uh, early in it, we had like so probably the second week, we had Sirit Soe uh, from uh, Yahoo. Uh, and I that show started 15 minutes late because I fell asleep on the couch. <laughs> yes, yes, you did. <laughs> and uh, Sirit, to her um, to her credit, came on and we finished the show and it was a good show. Yes. Um, but uh, I did, in fact, fall asleep. This is the good news is now Andy can start the show yes. uh, if that happens again. 10 o'clock's late, man. I got three kids. I'm sleeping like two and a half hours a night. I got stuff to do. I fell asleep. I, and then since then, I I get up at nine, no later than 9.15, and I move to a different spot. Yes. In my place. That it's way, very, very important. Couch. 
All right, game six is Sunday, I believe, 4.30 tip local, and we will be doing a live show, I assume, afterwards, uh, because it'll yeah, be a Atlanta Lakers podcast. It'll doubles the podcast, exactly. Yeah, so we will be here on Sunday. We appreciate everybody being here. Yeah. We will we will get Clinton on another show, because now he actually owes us. He does. So he, he's definitely works gonna, out well for us. Yeah, and um, he's, he's one of our favorites great. anyway. Yeah, and uh, Monday, Zach Schwartz from the Dunk Bay podcast. Um, so we'll have that. And then we're kind of like the, the worst thing about losing game five for the Lakers is it makes it hard for us to schedule the rest of the week next week. Um, you know, tentatively we have Lindsay theory, but we can't figure out quite the date yet. Um, cause we don't know if there's like, what if there's a game seven, we got to be prepped for that. John Weissman, who, uh, Dodger fans, uh, know and love, um, used to write the Dodgers thoughts blog, worked for ESPN and the LA times. Uh, he's going to come on, uh, we think, next week to do some stuff. And then uh, Gustavo Ariano at the end of the week, we hope. We have a lot of tentative stuff next week because the Lakers didn't close it out tonight. So right, but they're inconveniencing us, and that that's, that's a problem. But it'll be good, though. Appreciate everybody being here, and we will see you Sunday. Danke, Niederlande.